Why have Mega Dungeons endured in the hobby? What's the difference between a Mega Dungeon and a regular dungeon? Are there any tips for those of us who want to try a hand at running a Mega Dungeon game? Welcome back to Roleplay Rescue. I'm your host, Che Webster. Last time I tried to convince you of the value and accessibility of the Mega Dungeon gaming structure and waxed lyrically about why players might want to join in. This week, I'm back online for another interview and I've been practicing. I wonder if I can resist talking over my guest again this time. Carl Bussler is the co-founder of Stormlord Publishing, uh, writing adventures and supplements for the Dungeon Crawl Classic RPG. He hosted and produced the Flagons and Dragons podcast and is also host of the Mega Dungeon podcast. Carl lives in a little town near Philadelphia where he works as a videographer and photographer. Welcome to the show and thanks for talking to us. Jay, thanks so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I guess you're here because I want to talk about the Mega Dungeon. Well, you've come to the right place. I, I am very fond of the Mega Dungeon. I own quite a few of them, and I'm constantly learning about them. So, uh, yeah, let's fire away. Let's, let's dive into it. Fantastic. Um, I just got one very simple question to start with, and that is, uh, given the choice, are you player or GM? Given the choice, most people, I think a lot of people would say player, but I always seem to choose the DM or the Game Master I've been given the opportunity to play and I enjoy playing, but there's a creative side of me that I don't know. I keep coming back to volunteering for more things than I probably should, (laughs) (laughs) but it makes you popular because I think the, the ratio of player to to GM is, is, is there's obviously more players, uh, people who want to play than people who have the time or desire to actually GM a game. Yeah. Thank you. I just, it's one of those things I like to sort of warm up with really. And, um, I guess it helps um, us understand where you're coming from as well. Yeah, there's different kinds of players and different kind of GMs. Uh, I've my style has evolved over the years. I used to be very much the storyteller, and I was, and I, I still do kind of the funny voices and the character roles, and I do get into that. Uh, but I think for me now, and this probably ties into your topic, which is which is time constraint. I've really kind of toned back the storylines, toned back the plot, pulled back on that so it's less crucial to my games mm. and to sort of let that evolve naturally if it happens, if players pick up on something and they want to run with with a plot line or a thread or something, then we'll develop that organically. But I, I really don't force that on anyone anymore. Well, force might be a strong word, but offer that to, to players as much as I used to. So um, what is it that you most enjoy about role-playing games for me it's i love face-to-face gaming i don't get enough of that i mm-hmm. i get once a week for about three hours which i guess it, it gets my fix it's enough yeah uh, but i also have i like to game online weekly it's an opportunity because we're in a digital age and there's so much digital communication i communicate digitally through work we have a, an application called slack there's email mm-hmm. There's voice chat, there's there's phones, everything's digital, and I rarely see anyone, even in my own office. <laughs> I could sit on one side of the building and not see anyone for six hours and then go home. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 odd. 
So I, I relish the opportunity to get in front of people it, and to see their faces. That's a really, man, the reaction to gaming. There, there is nothing like a role-playing game, even if it's a video game. There's, it's a unique experience. And I love seeing how people react. I could run the same dungeon for three different groups of gamers and get three totally different outcomes. And that's just a, that's just it's a special moment between those players and me. And that's what I live for. Yeah, I guess that's probably the same for most people, isn't it? Like wanting to sit at the table together, especially in an age, as you say, where we don't sit together. Yeah, even it, even it, uh, with my family, uh, we we make time for that. That's something that is important to us. Mm-hmm. So my son has, you know, it, there's no electronics at the dinner table and we <laughs> limit that pretty heavily. Um, yeah, it's, will it make a turnaround? I think in some point it will. Now it could be that technology enables us in such a ways, for example, uh, Google Glass is kind of a bad example, but maybe there's a virtual reality where we can see each other, you know, that's better than just, you know, webcams and things. So we actually feel like we're together. It's possible the technology will go in such a direction that we no longer feel a distance. We can kind of have this at the table play feeling, um, but it's not quite there yet. So I, I love the opportunity to game with people online, mm. but it definitely has a different feel than being at the table. Yeah, there's nothing. It's really weird, isn't it? There's, I've been having lots of conversations like this with people about there is something about being in a room and being able to see the faces and 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 feel the mood that you just can't replicate online. Very true. So, what's the biggest barrier then? The biggest barrier, well, I think time is our most valuable resource because it's finite and you can't, you can't get it back. Once you spend it on something, that's it. It's gone. You're on to the next thing. So I think, and there may be, maybe there's a, a misconception as to time and I don't have time. And this is probably something that we should probably get into because it uh, involves your topic of choice. Mm. Uh, managing time, making time. How do I make time? Uh, I think a lot of people probably have the excuse, oh, I, I just don't have time. But I think, so initially there's that barrier. Well, I'm not going to role play. I'm not going to game with my friends. I'm not going to get online because I just don't have time. I need to eat, need to sleep, I need to work, I need to spend time with the family. And whatever's left over is just not enough. But I think that's a misconception. I think there is enough time. I don't think you need to have four hours or six hour session. I think even if you had just one hour, mm. if you packed a lot into that one hour, then you might be really happy with that one hour a week. Uh, but you will have to, I think there's some things you'd have to do to kind of make the most of that one hour. Like for example, I had a, a game session last night and the first 45 minutes was, Hey, what you been up to this week? How's things going? <laughs> oh yeah, what's my character? Oh yeah, I, I forgot this. And let's let's roll up that. And what's my equipment? And you spend forty five minutes doing that. And if you only had an hour, well, now you've only got fifteen minutes to play. So I think a lot of that stuff needs to be done offline. So when everyone with that kind of time constraint gets to that point, it's okay. Everyone here, all right, let's begin. And then you make mm-hmm. the most of that hour. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I um, I, I run a game with a bunch of kids once a week. It's about an hour and a half maximum time. And actually, it's quite interesting. They turn up, they sit at the table, and they look very expectantly at me. 
and it's a very different experience, but it's all about that hour. Um, so I think you're onto something there. Well, that's an interesting point because your kids know going into this that they only have an hour. They're not, yeah. see, they're not, see, when, when people come into my game, they know that they have three or four hours that we could possibly kill. So the first hour is kind of a throwaway hour. <laughs> <laughs> but if you know that all you have is an hour, then you're probably more likely to really be prepared for that hour. I guess it comes back to what you're at the table for. I know with my Friday night group, uh, when they get together, it's, it's very sporadic, but it's a lot of that, an hour or more just chatting because that's when we get to chat. Um, you know, I've got a doctor and IT specialist and various other people around the table who they don't have time to really get on the phone or they don't find time anyway to get on the phone. Um, I guess it's okay to sit and chew the fat when we've got four or five hours. Um, but yeah, you're, you're talking about being in a time starved environment in the modern world. And yeah, I think you're right. You know, you have to come with the right intention. I think you're right that intent is is important. Everyone agree to what the intent is. If the intent is, all right, we have two hours. The first hour, we just know that we're gonna. It's gonna be catch up. How are the kids? What's this thing? How's work? Mm. Uh, how's your mom and dad doing? Okay, let's kind of. That's fine as long as everyone's aware of that. You mentioned something that's interesting. You talk about it's it's about getting on the phone and calling your friends. I read an article mm. last year about the difference between men and women and how women are more comfortable calling their friends up on the phone every day and talking. My wife does it. Her yeah. friends, they all do it. Uh, now, maybe this, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe the article was wrong. I don't know. But from what, everything that I was experiencing, I was like, yeah, this is totally true. Like, I never call mm -hmm. my friends, ever. I, I can't remember the last time I actually picked up the phone and called my friend Todd or my friend Jeremy, unless, you know, we're getting ready to go do something and there was a last minute change or something of that nature. But I don't just call people up and just have a conversation for a half hour. That doesn't mm -hmm. happen. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, we're a strange breed, I guess. I guess so. Men are men are odd creatures. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then the gaming session becomes that becomes that moment. That's the time when we sit down and we're going to catch up. And that's okay. Um, but I think if everyone comes to the table aware that, you know, well, maybe maybe it's a, there's a situation where you know, three of the four players have that whole evening. They have the whole evening they can devote, but there's mm. someone who only has, I've only got one hour a day. So how do you, how do you work that into, uh, work that into the gaming group? That might be an interesting, an interesting little experiment. How do we, how do we help that one person who's only got an hour a week? Mm. Offhand, I'm not really sure if everybody on the, if everybody in the group only had an hour, and that would, that would probably be more, useful to online play because when it's local, there's travel involved and there's, you know, schedules and things. But if it's online, it opens up more opportunity. Uh, but this also plays into expectations. What are our expectations? I think a lot of people, people that I know, uh, we actually stopped gaming for, for a while because the things that we wanted, we knew we couldn't do in the time that we had. Mm -hmm. So the long epic campaign. So we used to be, you know, in college, you know, and even right out of college, we were uh, playing things like, you know, the Pathfinder, uh, you know, the Adventure Paths and the, pa the yeah. Adventure Paths that, that Wizards of the Coast had put out and the multiple dungeon magazines and things, dragon magazines that spanned issues. Mm -hmm. And it took us, you know, a year, year and a half to complete that whole thing. But 
you sort we sort of made a commitment in the beginning that you know he's going to run this. We know that it's going to be twelve issues or whatever, and that's going to take a long time. It was a huge commitment. It was like something we had to kind of sort of bite off. And then as we got around seventy five percent through, we start to burn out. It's like, oh, do we give up or do we finish it? So it was like this huge time commitment we had we had made, and we just don't make that kind of commitment anymore. Mm. We've we've sort of learned that. Well, we've we've taken steps to to, to work our allotted time uh, to make it work better for us. So, what's been the worst moment in your role playing hobby then? Worst moment. I think I'm pretty fortunate that I haven't had any really horrible moments. There's been instances where the core group of my my personal friends and relationships and we, we, we game together. I've known a few of these guys now for 15, 20 years. When we think, okay, you know what? We'd really like to run through this thing or we'd like to, to do that adventure or this adventure. And we it's really, we only have the three of us and we'd really like a fourth a fourth person. A, a, <laughs> so we got a, a DM or a GM. We got two players. Third player, that's like the ideal sweet spot. Mm. And we go out and you look for another player and it doesn't work out. The player, you know, they're they're in the group now. They've been with you for three, three or four sessions. Now you've realized that this personality just isn't gelling. There's something about this person that isn't going to work. Personality clash, whatever. They talk too much or they're dominating this conversation or they're just kind of whatever. Maybe they're not reliable and they show up late all the time. Whatever, whatever that might be. That's only happened like two or three times in the past mm. I don't know, 20 years or so, 25 years. But that's one of those situations where it's awkward. Like you, you, you kind of all have all come to the, the agreement that this person needs to go and you don't know how to do it. <laughs> it's like, how do we tell this person, look, it's just the, the mature adult in me would like to say, take them aside and say, all right, we, we, we appreciate you spending the time and coming with us, but it really isn't, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> you know, it's like the whole boyfriend, girlfriend breakup thing. Uh, and just be mature about it and say, look, I just don't think this is going to work out. We appreciate, you know, the time you've done and we wish you luck. But this is just not, there's personality conflicts and we just don't want to, to go sour. Um, those, those are few and far between. I can't really say I've had a bad, well, I did get burned out on Pathfinder. We played Pathfinder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. For, for all the OSR people listening, that's probably, you know, the people who play these old old school games, that's probably not surprising. But really, um, we played th- uh, 3.5 D&D and loved yeah. it and played it religiously for a long time. And then 4th edition was was announced and they were going to shut down Dragon Magazine and Dungeon Magazine. <clears throat> yeah. And my gaming group basically said, well, screw you, Wizards of the Coast. We're not going to play any of your stuff. <laughs> and we just sort of took our ball and went home. And then Pathfinder was announced. And we're like, well, we get to keep playing, but with new stuff? Yeah, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. And we played that for years. But I kind of got burned out on it. So then there was this period of time where I didn't really have anything that I wanted to play. And eventually, I mean, I, I tried playing all sorts of things. Story games, that didn't sit well with me. I just, that just didn't mesh, didn't gel. I tried mm-hmm. many of those. Uh, so I was, it, it was sort of a dark period, but... I mean, it's, it's gaming, so I can't really say it's, you know, not the worst time of my life. I just couldn't find the game <laughs> that I was looking for. But eventually, I uh, I think what got me back into gaming was actually Dungeon Crawl Classics. That was, I, kickstart, I, I was part of the Kickstarter. That came out. I played it. 
I really liked it. It was different, but it was old. And it was just, it was, it had just the right blend of things that I was looking for at the time. And that really brought yeah. me back into gaming. And I played that, I think, really much all online for, for quite a while. It sounds to me like you, with Dungeon Crawl Classics, you kind of rediscovered the spirit of it. Yeah, it was really, because it was weird and it was swingy. And by swingy, mm. I mean it was, it was sort of unpredictable in a really fun way. And, you know, the tables were neat. It was the intent behind DCC was, was right for a lot of people. And that's probably why it's been so successful. Mm. It's found a really unique way of, of doing things, looking at things, but it's approachable. So it's this giant book, which is awe-inspiring. And <laughs> the artwork is great. And there's all these magnificent tables, which everyone who likes these old school games really enjoys. Lots of tables, more tables is, is never a bad thing. Um, but it's not difficult to get into play. The the funnel was this. I I mean, I never really heard of anyone using a funnel. There was a there was a an adventure in a dungeon magazine, or maybe it was a Dragon Maze, a very long time ago, where you were zero level. You didn't have any class, and yeah. you figured out how. It's like an island adventure. There was a boat at the end. I don't remember what it's called, but that. I mean, having that now is a regular thing to start a campaign. Yeah. That was awesome. I mean. It was great for conventions and introducing people into into the game. Uh, so there was a, a lot of fun aspects to it. Might be good for that one hour game you were talking about. Yeah, because you're you're not you're not investing in the future. You're investing in the here and now. Hmm. I want to enjoy this hour without feeling like I have to continue it in the next week or the following weeks. There's no, I don't I won't feel guilty if I don't play next week. So yeah, it's. Uh, absolutely you could you just the funnel is fun you know it's a three four hour adventure you can play it over one session or two sessions and it's a one shot the one shot really has a place the one shot used to be i used to view the one shot adventure which was common in convention settings because hmm. it's like you're going to play these characters you're never going to play them again so whatever happens happens you know and, and it's a lot of times uh I, I sort of felt like characters would take you know players would would just let loose because they knew anything goes. You know, I don't have to worry about him dying. I don't have to worry about losing my equipment or whatever, breaking the sword. It didn't matter because I could do whatever I wanted to because I didn't have to worry about picking it up next week. And they, I could see players' eyes light up and just really dive into a really high level of play mm. without having that expectation for next week once that was gone. So I think, yeah, if you went into that every week, and that really lends itself well to uh, rotating groups of players. Mm. So you don't, you know, if there's no real plot to it and it's not going to continue next week. So you, you could run a one shot this week and a different one shot next week and sort of serialize the play like a TV show. Uh, then you've got players could come and go and it doesn't really matter. How do you keep yourself motivated in playing then? How do I keep myself motivated in playing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think lo looking at social media is. I mean, there's a lot of there's sort of the dark web of social media. So you know, there's a lot of drama that can happen on MeWe or Google Plus or Facebook mm -hmm. or wherever. And I just do my best to shut all that out because when you when you filter out that noise. Mm. There are some really brilliant creative people on the social media that mm. and once you find those people, 
and you sort of they're they're constantly feeding things into your social media feed. That keeps me motivated. You know, if mm. I read a review or a neat little article, and, and these anchor casts, these podcasters, they're so creative and they're so passionate about what they do. They're gaming, the mm. games, the community. That is inspiring. I, I mean, I started my own podcast because of that. Mm. So, and it's gotten me back into writing and I've, I've set aside time each week to, and each day to chip away at my own creative projects. Mm. So it's really, I think for me, I can't create or even play in a vacuum. Mm. I need other people and I need to kind of feed off. I mean, enthusiasm is, uh, it's contagious. So if you see other people and players having a good time and they're sharing all this good stuff, then that will get me motivated and keep, keep me playing. Thank you. So um, tips. Um, big question is what tips you got for a person who's coming back to the role-playing hobby? I would say uh, lower your expectations. You start small. Find find a group online. Or, I mean, it's it's more difficult to find, like I said, I, th- I think, to find the local group where everyone gels, um, especially if it doesn't quite work out and then you, you know, are like, well, now I got to break up that group or I got to restart the group. I got to go back on the hunt again. Using online play as a way to ease back into that uh, obviously being the DM or the GM of a game is a little more, there's a little more responsibility involved. So being a player is probably the better option to get started again, especially mm. if it's a game system you're not familiar with, but there's a ton of people out on the internet who are looking for people to join their game. Even if it's mm. just once a week, I'm, I'm uh, me included. I run a game Saturday nights. And if anybody listening wants to play BX in my homebrew, you know, look me up on MeWe, and I don't care if you've never played before. It doesn't matter. Uh, so I think, yeah, just do a search on one of these social media platforms and take your time with it. There's no rush. There's no, you don't have to work into an epic campaign. I think if you find a group of, a small community, maybe, you know, somewhere in the you know, three to you know five people that you can kind of work with. Because what I've found is a lot of these people, they play in games, but they also run games. So they might play in a game on Saturday night, but they're running a game on Wednesday night. And that, that, so they, it's so sort of, there's a spider web. So you might be able to get in on that game. And then maybe six months down the road, you say, Hey, look, I have this really cool idea. I want to run this one shot, or I want to run this thing for a couple sessions. Anybody interested? And chances are, you're going to get, you're going to get some hits. Um, if you, if it's been 15 years since you've played or 20 years, like it's been since you were a kid and you haven't played, uh, I would suggest uh, trying a game. Well, fifth edition obviously has a huge player base. So getting into a fifth edition game, going to your local uh, friendly local game store, getting into their uh, organized play, that's an easy way to get back into it. Mm-hmm. It may not be the the long-term quality of play that you're looking for, but it might be an easy an easy way to at least ease yourself back into everything and there's not there's not i mean role-playing games is not a huge investment in money you don't need to buy a lot you need some dice and you need may need a book so that's really it Hmm. it's not like you're going to go get into some 
you know, racing cars or, you know, archery or, or whatever, which requires an investment in equipment. Don't need any of that. It's just simple. So key, I would say just keep it simple for now. Mm. Okay. Thank you. So um, I have to ask, because you're doing this podcast, the Mega Dungeon podcast, what is it about Mega Dungeons that inspired you to create that? Well, it was a, it was, I was, I wanted to be, get back into podcasting. Mm. I really wanted to get back into podcasting, but I needed a topic. There are a lot of uh, really good podcasters out there and they have their own spin on things. So while it may be a general purpose podcast about gaming or maybe it's a certain era of gaming, mm. uh, I didn't really feel like I was bringing anything new to the table. So I wanted to find a niche that hadn't really been discussed so there are podcasts about fifth edition, podcasts about old school games. There are podcasts about a variety of niches, but they, I hadn't seen Mega Dungeons been been attacked yet. And I have a ton of them. And even <laughs> though I haven't played through all of them in their entirety, I really enjoy them. Uh, it's I don't know what it is about them. Maybe it's just the the grand scale of of these of these adventures. Perhaps mm -hmm. that's what it is. And it's a challenge. It's it's there's this great challenge. I mean, to to finish a mega dungeon is quite an accomplishment. Uh, even if you don't, the same players don't stick with it through the whole thing. That 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 moment when you know that okay, this is really this is the this is the the ultimate moment where we've we've gone through all these trials and tribulations, and now we get to say yes, we completed it. So when we finished the Temple of Elemental Evil, when that was you know first edition or whatever uh wow yeah that's the moment everybody re can remember high-fiving each other around the table <laughs> so i i just thought well let's let's give it a shot let's see if i i, I sat down i said let's see if i can come up with 10 episodes content for 10 episodes if i can do that then even if i quit after 10 episodes i uh, feel felt like i tackled that subject well enough that people can enjoy it i've contributed some in some manner so that's what I intend to do. I'm going to go. I'm going to go at least ten episodes. If I go through ten episodes and there's still ideas brewing, then I'll keep going. So, mega dungeons, and then there's dungeons. So, in your head, what's the difference between a dungeon and a mega dungeon? Well, there are quite a few things. Uh, I will refer anyone listening to episode one of the Mega Dungeon podcast yeah. because I go into this in great detail. I, I actually break it down into eight different categories of things that I think define the Mega Dungeon, but the, mm. the size is an obvious thing. Uh, and then the argument becomes, okay, well, how big does it have to be to be a Mega Dungeon? Uh, words not out. We don't really know. It, I think... Personally, I feel that it has to be big enough that it can't be done in just a few sessions. This is something mm -hmm. that you're going to invest, you know, weeks, months, maybe a year trying to get through. For me, I feel like it, the Mega Dungeon provides an opportunity to have a character go from first to 10th level or mm -hmm. from first to 20th level. It's not the, like a dungeon. When you think about dungeons and modules and adventures they're usually written for x number of characters from levels this to that hmm. mega dungeon doesn't say that mega dungeon is just like i got this big ass dungeon and you're going to play through it in its entirety with this character or this series of characters and they're going to go from first level to maximum level that's hmm. kind of it for me maybe it's 
not always that way. Sometimes it's fifth through 15th level or fifth through 20th level, whereas those first kind of fledgling levels are done elsewhere. That's fine. Mm. That's still a mega dungeon in my eyes. I, uh, yeah, it's interesting because I've gone back and been reading, you know, the 1974 original game as well. And obviously, if you read book th- booklet three, um, you discover that what you're encouraged to do is create three to six levels of a mega dungeon. What do you make of that as a like the starting point of a hobby? I think every well, it was it was new back then, so no one really had any idea what what this game was or how it was quote supposed to be played they're kind of figuring out as they went Hmm. so the 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 examples were given and this is how you build a dungeon well when you finish that level what do you do now okay well now we're going to build another level and Hmm. another level and we're just going to keep building on to this so and then as that happens you know characters backstories and things sort of happens organically rather than now that we have publishing companies and published adventures and writers and they're, they're devoted to creating an experience for people. Now, now we get into, Oh, what's the overall plot? And you know, how do we take characters through the setting and the, in the game world? And there's a lot more mm-hmm. to it back then. I don't think they were really thinking about that. They were just, you know, I mean, the whole game was, I mean, D and D was an evolution of rules and ideas that got tacked on, reorganized, tacked on, reorganized, tacked on, reorganized. And I think, the dungeon was the same way. Mm. So it went from the battlefield and then into the castle and then under the castle and it just kept growing and spreading. Well, what's the next logical step? Well, we'll just tack on a little bit more. Why is it there? I don't really know. Do you care? Not really. Let's play through it. Mm. Now we're a little more, a little more sophisticated as players and as consumers now. So we sort of expect, maybe expect a little bit more from our published adventures. That's strange, isn't it? I um I really mused about that idea of we expect a little bit more, and of course that implies that the mega dungeon somehow has something missing. Um, and I'm not convinced it does. <laughs> I think what do you it's make of that? yeah. Well, I think I think it's play style. I think we've we've sort of when when basic uh, was the game when I start first started playing, and then we heard about advanced. All my friends were like, "Well, I don't want to play basic anymore. I want to play advanced." <laughs> Not that advanced was better; it was just different. Yeah. Uh, and I think with the Mega Dungeon, I'd like to see more people get back into playing Mega Dungeons, even whether it's published or just creating on our own. What's mm. what's this? What's that? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's missing anything other than maybe a a change in attitude or approach to mm. your 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 playtime. What do you think the advantages are playing through a mega dungeon? You know, uh, well, uh, one is that the the plot isn't critical to the enjoyment of the mega dungeon, so players can come and go without feeling like they've missed something. Mm. Uh, maybe they only have one evening a month, and that's fine. You don't have to feel guilty for you know playing infrequently. Um, there's some other neat advantages to a mega dungeon versus a, a written out adventure that's got sort of a backstory and a plot and an ultimate goal to it. Uh, mega dungeons obviously are big and they're divided into multiple levels and levels have own various themes but I see this as an opportunity for game groups to share the role of dungeon master and I don't Ooh. see this happening nearly enough I know people who have been playing for 15, 20, 25 years and they have never been a DM never been a game master I can't imagine you know I, I think that if someone who's played for that long and never DM'd 
they probably bring a, a fresh perspective and a fresh ideas to the table. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like they don't know the rules, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think that the mega dungeon offers sort of an opportunity for us to kind of share. I say, okay, so you're going to play, you know, you're going to DM the first level and we'll get up to levels one or two and character levels. And then I'll take over and then I'll run for, for, you know, a couple of weeks and then we'll hand it over to, to, you know, to Joe over here and Joe, you're going to run. And then, you know, uh, you can run the following and then we'll circle back to me. Now we're sharing the responsibility. I mean, it's shared enjoyment. So I don't see why we can't share some responsibility. Now, someone may be like, well, I'm not good at DMing. Well, I don't know about that. It's not hard. You don't have to do funny voices. You don't have to, you know, know all the rules. We're all sitting down at the table together. We can all, if you if you, you don't know the rule, you forget the rule. I'm sure someone at the table does. So it's not a, it's not a big deal. Um, but what the DM's doing is is revealing this content to everyone else and making mm-hmm. adjudications as necessary. If you don't know the rule, don't just make it up. Not a big deal. We'll go with the flow. We'll have fun with it. So I think the, the Mega Dungeon is a is a, a really good playground for that because you don't have to worry about the plot. You don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. You just have to worry about what's in that next room over there. How the, how will that the things in that room how they might re- respond to you know the approach of the characters. Have you turned your hand to creating a mega dungeon? Uh, I have plans for it. I have been secretly, not so secretly, working on something. <laughs> and my initial the initial phase of that is really to sit down and lay it out as far as what's the index? What does the index look like? What's the title? What's the index? What's the, the back cover copy? Really build a roadmap for what I think I want the experience to be mm. uh, and then from that then I can st- then I can chop that up into small projects so maybe that is level one maybe it's level five whatever I'm interested in that that week or that day mm. and just keep typing away until I get the word count just enough I, I look forward for- to sorry I just wanted to say I look forward to the idea that you've read loads and loads and loads of mega dungeons and you're going to be obviously reviewing those through the podcast and then this idea of you sitting down and, and crafting one, um, I guess you get to steal all the good stuff. That's exactly what I plan to do. I plan to look through <laughs> all of my, I'm not, I'm not going to be ashamed to say it. I am going to steal all the good concepts from all the mega dungeons that I've, I own, have read through and played. Some of them I haven't played very much because I didn't care for them, but I think I can learn from those. For example, mm. uh, the second edition ruins of Undermountain. Mm. <sighs> Honestly, the maps were really cool and the box set is what enticed me to get it. Yeah. But outside of like getting through the yawning portal and down into maybe the first level or so and well, Skullport is awesome. That's a that's a really neat little idea. I really love that mm. uh that 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 idea. But the rest of it was just so sparse and weirdly put together and just it didn't Yeah, I don't know. We didn't play much of it. Um but I'm, I intend to learn from that. So okay, so don't do these things because we didn't enjoy them. Uh, I'm actually reading through the the reiteration of Undermountain, which is uh, written for first, for fifth edition, and I've already seen things that I don't care for, like within the first dozen pages, and I think that I'm not going to do those things as well. Now I'll save that for a, a review later on, mm. but um, yeah, uh, I think that I can look through and find the best and the worst and emulate those things going forward. 
I wondered what advice you'd offer a dungeon master who wants to create a mega dungeon. I think the first thing you have to do going into that sort of project is realize that this is not a sprint. This is a long, longer race. Mm. And you'll need to break it up into smaller bite-sized pieces. Otherwise, you're going to have burnout. With any large project, if you don't break it up into manageable pieces that have uh, definite goals, Mm. uh, you feel rewarded when you complete those goals. So yes, I would definitely say, okay, this is how big it's going to be. This is how many levels it's going to do. And then I can chop that up into smaller pieces. So the way I've approached it is I looked at the Caverns of Thracia and as far as mega dungeons go, it's not huge. Hmm. I actually went back and looked at Rap and Athic when it was first released and they only released the first few levels. Hmm. And then, then they released another supplement with additional levels. And then another one with additional levels. So that's, I think, how I'm going to approach it. I'm only going to, re- mm-hmm. I'm going to write the first three levels. That could be, I mean, it'll be fairly large. It'll definitely be more than an adventure than your standard sort of module. Mm-hmm. But it's not quite the level of a project that's going to take me a year and a half to write and, and publish. So I could maybe do it in six months if I really, you know, buckled down and got to it. Yeah. Um, I think another thing to consider is you may want to outsource the things you don't feel comfortable with. Reach out for help. Um, okay. The Hydra Cooperative, they're, they, they've, they've all got, these are a bunch of guys that have gotten together and they've kind of pooled their resources and have written some really uh, creative, fun stuff. Hmm. Uh, maybe you don't want to you know, go into this project with a huge team behind you, but maybe... Uh, you find someone who can do some of the artwork, find someone who can do the cartography, whatever you don't feel comfortable doing. Think about how you're going to approach that. Are you going to, you can just be uh, okay with the, the outcome if you do it yourself, or do you want to reach out for help and find someone else to do that with you? So I think those two things, outsourcing uh, what you don't feel comfortable doing, don't want to do, and making sure that it's smaller, bite-sized pieces, uh, then you won't get burnout. I think burnout would be the biggest issue. I've heard of a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I've got this idea for a Mega Dungeon. And I, there's very few people that have said, oh, yeah, I had this great idea for a Mega Dungeon, and I finished it. Yeah. Um, because they're big, and they require time, and they require effort, and you have to maintain a level of enthusiasm about the project. So breaking it into smaller pieces for me, I think that's the only way I'm going to get through it. So I, I started I started with this idea that I was going to uh, write a zine. I thought, I've got all these great ideas. I'll throw it into a zine. And then I thought, well, you know, these ideas would really work well with this Mega Dungeon idea. Well, I can't write a zine and do a podcast and write a Mega Dungeon all at the same time. It's just not going to work. So I've taken the stuff that I wrote for the zine. I'm going to fold that into the Mega Dungeon and just not do the zine. So minimizing your distractions will also be beneficial to whatever it is you're doing. So we come full circle, haven't we? That idea of you've got limited time, what you're going to do with it. Yeah, you really do. There's only so much you can do in a day, in a week, month, or year. And you need to decide, is this something I will really feel? Is the final outcome worth my investment of my time? 
So if if you imagine that you write this mega dungeon and you share it or you publish it and it's well received and then you're doing podcast interviews with people and people are reviewing it, is that what you want? Is that is that sort of the, you know, the little bit of fame, a little bit of, you know, is is that what you're going for or is it, you know, I, that's nice, but what I really want is something that I have this world, I have this 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 domain, this this mega dungeon that I'm really I know everything about it and I can run it for anyone at any particular point in time. Maybe that's what you're looking for. You're looking for this thing that every week, no matter who shows up, you can run this adventure because you know it like the back of your hand. Maybe that's, maybe that's your outcome. Maybe that's your goal. I don't know. You have to figure that out for yourself. Carl, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Um, any last words? Uh, I think if I, my last words would be, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your hopes of playing on a consistent basis because it can happen even if you only have a little bit of time. Do what you, you we all need time for ourselves. Um, that's why you know this wonderful thing called life. It's to be enjoyed. We should find some time, even if it's just a small bit of time. Maybe maybe you can't find other people to role play with you on a regular basis. Uh, and I I was in that period for a while. And what I did was I just I just bought all kinds of role-playing games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bought games and I bought adventures and I read and I was like, well, you know, maybe I'm not playing, but I'm still enjoying it in some facet. So just, just don't give up. Keep at it. You will find a group. It will happen. Thank you. Thank you. Carl, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. Thanks so much for your time. And I wish you all the best as well with the Mega Dungeon yeah, podcast. Likewise, I wish you a lot of luck. I wish you a lot of luck with uh, with this podcast. It's a, a needed, I think it's a needed avenue. It's a needed uh, source of uh, inspiration and maybe maybe hope. Maybe that's too strong a word. I don't know. Uh, but it'd be nice to see some uh, future advice and, and, and discussion about this topic. Thank you, Carl. It's brilliant. Um, you've been listening to Carl Bustler nattering to me on Roleplay Rescue. Thanks very much for listening. I wanted to ask you a favour. Getting this podcast off the ground has been a lot of fun, but I'm not too sure whether I'm hitting the mark and answering the questions you still have. To help you get back to the gaming table, what questions do we still need to answer? Can you leave me a message and tell me your answer? You can easily leave me a voice message. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue, and tap on the messages button to leave yours. Thanks for your help. Remember, this is about building a community of discovery together. Will you add your voice to the conversation? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. I'm Che Webster. I'll be back next Saturday with another episode. Game on. Mm-hmm.